0: I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset.
1: With the way this market is moving and with how quick how quickly these houses are moving and with how competitive the bidding process is, and with how quickly you can get tapped out in terms of your budget by getting sucked into a bidding war, you really wanna have a realtor that you hire That knows what they're doing and by that you want to look at how many listings do they have how long have they been in the industry for what does their social media and their website presence look like
0: welcome to the clear money mindset providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way i'm your host and financial advisor ben davies at davies financial sterling mutuals we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money for many Buying a home is a daunting experience. In this seller's market, it can feel like you are rushed into something you don't fully understand, but you feel the need to act quick. It would be great before we even got into the housing market if we could sit down and chat with a professional with a ton of knowledge of the industry as a whole and get an idea of how the buying and selling process works and the things we should be careful of. Well, today's podcast is exactly that. Our guest today is a local lawyer, Sebastian Schmoranz. Sebastian is the managing partner at McGregor Sims Schmoranz Professional Corporation. He obtained his Bachelor of Arts in French and Business from the University of Waterloo in 2009, he graduated from Western University's Juris Doctor Program in 2013 and was and was called to the Ontario Bar in 2014. He began his career at a large Bay Street firm, which helped him develop a strong work ethic and the ability to solve complex problems while under pressure. He came home to practice law in Kingsville, Ontario in 2016. In this and the following podcast, Sebastian will walk us through all things real estate and give us a sense of the market conditions today. In our insightful discussion over the next two podcasts, Sebastian will walk us through the real estate process from beginning to end and give us some great insight for anyone who is looking to get into today's crazy real estate market. You're going to love this series. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset. I am Ben Davies. Today, we are excited to be talking with a local lawyer, Sebastian schmaranz He's a managing partner at McGregor Sims Schmoranz Professional Corporation, and we're going to be talking all sorts of real estate today, but we're going to pick it up on people who are new. But first of all, Sebastian, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Ben, thanks very much for having me.
0: No problem. So. People who are new to real estate, Uh, lots of those uh, people in the market today, market's very different and uh, it's a challenging time to be getting into real estate, whether you're buying a home for the first time or maybe you're investing. So I wanna go through a few basic questions with you that I think would be helpful for people who are brand new to all this. Uh, First one, and as a lawyer, you're dealing with real estate agents every single day. If you were to tell someone uh, how they should go about picking a real estate agent, what would be the advice you'd give to them?
1: So um, before I give my answer, it's important to provide a little bit of context about the real estate market in Windsor-Essex. So up until about 2016, most most of Ontario forgot that there was more Ontario past London. So for years and years and years and decades, our property values have stagnated down here for for reasons I have never been able to understand. And starting in 2016 and growing through 2017, 18, 19, and exploding during the pandemic, Home buyers and property investors from all across Canada and Ontario have discovered how affordable Windsor Essex is. Now, for those of your listeners who are from the area, they're rolling their eyes right now because they're saying there's no way in heck that anything down here is affordable anymore. But if you compare the cost of your typical single family home in Windsor Essex to what it costs in St. Thomas or London or Kitchener or Cambridge um, or Pickering or Ajax, we are still extremely affordable. So we started getting into, for years on end, a seller's market. So we don't have enough houses on the market, and we have lots of buyers interested in buying. And we have many cash buyers. So we have many buyers that are coming from jurisdictions where they're selling their homes for a lot of money. And they don't need to get a mortgage in order to buy down here so they can drive prices up. This leads into answering your question about why do you need a realtor? And what should you be looking for when you get a realtor? With the housing boom that's happened in Windsor-Essex since about late 2016, um, it's made being a realtor a very attractive business to get into. As you know, they make between four and 6% commission on the sale price plus HST, which is some of the highest commission rates in Canada. And, from an outsider's perspective, a layman would say, I take a few online courses and I get certified and I can go off and put a sign on a lawn and get paid a whole bunch of money to show yeah. somebody a house, right? Because the houses are selling so quickly and so easily. As we're hearing, You know, a house goes on the market, it sells in 12 to 24 to 36 hours.
0: Yeah, it is not taking long.
1: No, so the issue is, if you're a buyer, and I'm not talking about cash buyers and I'm not talking about investors. If you are you know, a, a young family looking to buy your first house or you're looking to upgrade to your first grown-up house. We all buy our cheap first house and then once we yeah. made some good investments with you, hopefully we we have the money necessary to buy our first, what I like to call a grown-up house where maybe you get the pool or maybe you finally get the two-car garage or you get the man cave or the she-shack. Sure. What you want to look for is, you want to look for a realtor who does this full-time. Being a realtor lends itself very easily to what I like to call weekend warriors. So people who just got their real estate license and they still have a full-time job and okay. they you know list a few houses or show a few houses on weekends. With the way this market is moving and with how, quick, how quickly these houses are moving and with how competitive the bidding process is and with how quickly you can get tapped out in terms of your budget by getting sucked into a bidding war, You really wanna have a realtor that you hire that knows what they're doing. And by that, you wanna look at how many listings do they have? How long have they been in the industry for? What does their social media and their website presence look like? Do they do this as a full-time career? Or is this, I have a really cushy, easy, regular, full-time, nine-to-five job, and to get in on this rush, I got my real estate license and I occasionally sell houses on weekends. Sure. In my experience, these are the people who don't have the experience in this type of a complex market and might not have the focus and attention to detail or the time commitment available to really be able to serve you well in a market where it is so difficult and so competitive to get that winning offer on a house.
0: What does being at it all day, every day do for a buyer when it seems, it seems like, like you could argue, well, how hard can it be to get a house right now? And uh, basically, whoever offers most wins is from the outside looking in, how it feels. So what are what are the little things that a full-timer is doing that helps you either get the house or are you talking about the, even helping you stay away from the house that's gone up too much, that kind of thing? Like, what are some of those things that make a difference?
1: So what's helpful with somebody who does this all day every day is, they have a better grasp on average of the neighborhoods you're looking to buy in, the communities yep. you're looking to buy in, the types of properties you're looking to buy, what the comparables are, how long a property's been sitting, whether the listing agent for the property you're buying is is a sleazy piece of garbage or is a very, very, you know, honorable, honest, normal person. Sure. Is the listing agent known for pulling quick tricks and trying to jack up prices? and trying to create hype where a smart realtor who you know doesn't need to make money off of every last sale might have the confidence to look at a buyer and say, you know what, we're not even gonna bid on this house because mm-hmm. they are just trying to set a trap for a bidding war and you're gonna get blown out of the water five minutes in. Let's not waste our time, let's look for something else. Or yes. even, you know, we, we've seen, especially in the last few years, we've seen huge <laughs> issues with flooding We've seen huge issues with other related property restrictions all over Windsor-Essex County, especially, and I've seen this happen, and it's very unfortunate with having out-of-town buyers come in, and even out-of-town families trying to move down here because they can work remotely from home now, getting a weekend warrior realtor who uh, neglects to mention to them that, by the way, that neighborhood of Tecumseh floods every two years horrifically. Are you, do you have that in your budget? Are you sure you're going to be able to get property insurance in a few years? Is this the kind of thing you want to take on? And, And those are the things where the true professionals, the true experts, the true realtors who really have been doing this for a long time and have dedicated themselves to doing this 12 months a year will steer you in the right path. And they'll they'll already narrow down your list of options on day 1. They won't even tell you to bother bidding on certain properties because they either know they fall completely out of your financial comfort zone or they entail a challenge or a risk or a cost that that you're not ready for, that you don't need because they will have taken the time to properly assess what it is you need and what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, and you don't want to you don't want to have people getting emotionally invested in every single property they see knowing they don't even have a shot at it. Um, So that brings on the question of uh, and we see this kind of go in phases. I remember the Purple Bricks commercials pretty much because they were great. They were hilarious Um, going into this idea of, well, if the market's so easy, especially if you're a seller, like why even bother with a real estate agent in the first place? Now, a lot of times that comes from the same mentality that would say, well, I can fix my car on my own. Usually the reason why you think it's a good idea is because there's stuff you don't understand yet. But what would you say are some pros and cons of buying without a realtor? Or would you say there's never a time where you should?
1: So I think, um, so first of all, to talk about the Purple Bricks Comfrey era, and they still exist and they're still around. Uh, i think there's nothing wrong with you pay up front and you know what you're going to get for your services the issue with purple bricks and comfrey what they neglect to explain to their clients and what's usually hidden in the fine print which usually shocks them on closing is so i have my house and i want to sell my house and because i don't want to hire a realtor i'm going to call purple bricks and i pay them their flat fee and they take some crappy pictures of my house and they register the thing <laughs> online. And because yep. Purple Breaks has an MLS license, they can register it on realtor.ca, which is very important because it's the easiest way to search for properties in Ontario. Yeah. The problem that most people don't get is, the buyer that inevitably comes to your house to buy that house, 9.9 times out of 10, is represented by a realtor. And that realtor doesn't work for free which means inevitably the offer that gets written for you on your Purple Bricks house is written by a realtor from a different brokerage. And that realtor will negotiate with you, the seller, what's called a customer service agreement, which says, I didn't just bring this buyer to you for free. You're still going to pay me somewhere between one and three percent of the sale price for the work I did in bringing you this buyer. And that's something that really Purple Bricks should be ashamed of, that they never put in bold lettering on their website and on their advertising, which is, is it really cheaper than getting a realtor? Not necessarily, because nine times out of 10, the buyer that shows up to buy your Purple Bricks house is represented by a realtor. And that realtor doesn't work for free. And that realtor is going to try and negotiate some sort of a commission arrangement. Yeah, it'll be less than 6%, but you already paid a flat fee to Purple Bricks when you got the listing. So that's, that's my Purple Bricks comfrey issue. Now, Should you sell without a realtor? Now the real estate lawyer and me would be silly to say you should <laughs> sell without a realtor because realtors would <laughs> me a ton of work. That's the, the, the sleazy lawyer answer. But the honest answer is, look, if you realistically feel that you have a very strong grasp of what you think your property is worth in the market, number one. Okay. And number two, if you feel confident that you know how to draft the agreement of purchase and sale or the offer that's going to come in on that property, and number three, if you're willing to deal with the fact that as soon as you put that thing on Kijiji or on Facebook Marketplace, you're going to get inundated with phone calls and emails on that property. So you're going to take a week off work just to manage the amount of calls that come in. Right. Then, yes, you can do that. But you run into many problems. You run into the problem of one You might get sued because maybe you draft your agreement wrong and somebody thinks they're getting something that they're not. And then they get angry and then they hire a mean, nasty lawyer to sue you. Or number two, your phone rings off the hook for four days straight and you have 40 offers on that property. And you have no idea how to even track them or figure out who's offering what and how. Or three, and I've seen this happen because sometimes clients reach out to me before they call a realtor. The, the the picture they have in their head of what their property is worth is not at all, uh, has nothing to do with the current fair market value. My favorite story is I had a sweet, adorable couple who came to see me. We did their wills and power of attorney documents. They were both in their 80s. They built their house in a subdivision in Kingsville that's been around forever. They bought it from the builder in 1950 or 1960 something. They had literally stereotypical Canadian dream lived in the same house for their entire life. And you can see on the pin sheet, on the top parcel register to the property, they paid back in 1950, 1960 something. They pro- probably paid somewhere between like 20 and 30,000 Canadian to build a house because that's what back then. I'll take five now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so they came in to me and we were doing their estate planning. They were starting to think about moving to a retirement home, which makes lots of sense. And they were like, well, we think we might be ready to list it on the market. And we said, and I said, great. And they said, well, we, you know, we want to, we don't want to spend all this money on a realtor. And I said, well, you got to understand it's a seller's market. You're going to get inundated with calls. And I said, what do you think you'd like to have for the house? And it was on, on a very mature subdivision, mature trees, big lots, you know, the house wasn't anything to write home about, but it was a classic like brick ranch with a two car garage. It was a very sturdy construction. Yes, it needed a facelift inside, but the house was fantastic. And they were said, and they looked me square in the eye, and they said, "Well, I think." And this was about in the last twelve to eighteen months. They said, "Well, I think you know maybe three hundred and thirty thousand dollars." <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, "I will buy that house from you right now." And then I took <laughs> my license because I'm lying to you. That is not what it's worth. And they said, "Oh, really? Well, I heard prices had gone up." And I said, "Yes, it has." <laughs> but the prices now are closer to the five to six hundred thousand dollar range for a house like that than three hundred. And if you put a sign on the lawn that says three hundred thousand dollars, a very unscrupulous person is going to buy that house from you on day one, and you're going to miss out on two to three hundred thousand dollars worth of money you could make, which will help you well in your retirement.
0: It so- might be worth more than four percent, five percent.
1: And that's, and that's the math, right? So my argument yeah. is always, look, if you know exactly what you have and you know exactly what it's worth and you are set up with the right documentation and you are set up to field the deluge of calls and emails, yep. of course there's nothing wrong with trying to do it on your own. But do you really have the time? What is that time worth to you? Are you confident you're going to draft these documents correctly? And are you sure you're getting the best price for your property? And that's that's something where you know i feel like in this market in particular because it is such a seller friendly market just because it's seller friendly doesn't mean it actually is friendly for the seller you still have to you know i we i've represented clients that they they were the winning bid on a house that had 60 offers so wow. you have to think about the amount of work that it's involved in just receiving 60 offers reviewing all 60 offers making counters, deciding on which one you're gonna you know, pick. That's, that's a full-time job in and of itself right there.
0: Well, and that goes back to what you said. It kind of comes down to um, getting a good real estate agent in the beginning because then you don't have to justify the value. The value is actually there. And it's like anything, we tell people this in investing. People say, well, can I do this on my own? It's like, yeah, absolutely you can. Um, but like anything else, knowledge and time are two things that help get you ahead in anything and the lack of those two things typically um, you're you're wasting money you don't know you're wasting yet so those are those are uh those are some good tips um bully offers first of all um for those who don't know what that is what is a bully offer and um why are they dangerous
1: so it ties into the the argument about why you need a realtor because now that we are in this extreme seller market where we have a real lack of supply, which you hear all the big real estate brokerages in Windsor-Essex when they do their monthly reports and their monthly videos on social media, we don't have enough houses to sell right now. We can't keep up with how many new houses and condos we're building, and existing resale inventory is very low. So. There's not enough houses to sell, which means every house that goes on the market, you end up getting a multiple bids scenario for at least for those that are in that magic 380 to 620 price range. That seems to be the sweet spot. Yep. Anything over that, when you get into million dollar listings, you need a particular buyer for that type of a property, and for things below that, that's there's a, there's a specific. It's either an investment or it's a vacant building lot or it's something else. So. Why are bully offers dangerous? What's been happening a lot is realtors have gotten smart to this and they've said, look, I don't want to put this thing on the market and then every day get six offers I gotta review and respond to. What we're gonna do is we're gonna make a listing that says I'm listing this house on Monday. Everybody has until Friday at 5 p.m. to put their best offer in, I will review all of those at 5.01 p.m. with my clients and then we will pick the one we're going with and that's the deal. That system works relatively well because it's at least easy to predict it also means it's easy to predict for the buyers it also means it's easy to digest for the sellers because the sellers know on friday at three four o'clock they're going to go to their realtor's office they're going to sit there they're going to read through 20 offers together they're going to make a decision as a couple and make a decision and say we're picking offer number six and that's what they're going to go with what some realtors have been doing and it is it's a tactic and it is allowed um yeah is you go in with what's called a bully offer. So you you submit an offer early to that listing agent and it's usually without conditions. So there's no financing or home inspection condition on it. And it's usually for a decent price. It's usually for a little bit higher than what the ask price is. And you say, look, forget your stupid offer date. We don't care. We're ready to buy it right here, right now. Yeah. Accept our offer. Forget everything that's happening on Friday. We're going to buy it from you on Tuesday. Forget the next three, four days. We're doing it right now that's fine. You might decide you want to accept those. But here's the problem. I've had this happen now close to a dozen times for clients I've represented, especially during the pandemic boom, is these are usually investors or out-of-town buyers. And one of okay. two things happens. They, a seller says, yes, I'll take this bully offer. It's without conditions, so there's no financing condition. The bank comes out and appraises it for a mortgage and says, well, it's not worth what you've written on the paper. you got to come up with the difference. And then the buyer backs out. Or the buyer finds a different property they want to buy and says, forget this one. I want to buy something else. Now, from a legal perspective, that's a breach of contract. You had a firm binding offer. You paid a deposit. It says, I'm buying your thing. There's no conditions. There's no ways of backing out. But what a lot of these buyers who are making these bully offers know The practical reality of the market is because there's so many other buyers out there, if they walk away from this deal, the seller will most likely be able to sell that house for the same price, if not better, Mm -hmm. very shortly thereafter. But here's the problem. The seller's now wasted all this time and all this effort. Sometimes the listing has come down. Sometimes they've already incurred legal fees to start processing this transaction. It's now wasted a lot of time and money. When they could have just gone through with the offer date that they'd already agreed on and waited, reviewed all the offers, and then right. taken a reasonable offer. The bully mm-hmm. offer sometimes looks attractive because it's without conditions, it's immediate. Usually it's at a pretty good price, but it's usually more pain than what it's worth at the end.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So nowadays, I know back when back when I bought a house, um, conditions were... Like a regular thing you always had conditions especially like inspection that just seemed that was a no-brainer it was all it was always there not so much now um but how do how do conditional offers work and how can they how can they help or hurt a, a purchase now especially in a market that's so hot
1: so this um so the basics of it are so what is a condition so I agree to buy your house, Ben. I agree, I'm going to pay you 20 bucks for it, and we're going to close on Friday. And you say, That's cool. I pay you a $2 deposit. The deposit shows that I'm serious about it. We now have a firm deal. Now, if I want to make that deal conditional, I can add in conditions. And those conditions say, I will have until a certain date to do a certain thing. And if I don't tell you by that certain date that I've done that certain thing, And this deal falls apart and i can walk away and i get my deposit back and the two most classic ones from a buyer perspective are it's conditional on financing so we sign a deal and i got 20 more days or 10 more days or six more days to get a bank to say yes i will lend you the money to buy this house if i can't satisfy myself that that's going to happen by that day i say hey ben i'm really sorry i couldn't get financing give me my deposit back no hard feelings or Home inspection. I want it to be inspected by home inspector. I'm gonna get an inspection done by X date. I reserve the right to say I don't like something on this home inspection report. I'm walking away. Those okay. are the classic buyer conditions. The classic seller condition, or the actually it's a it's also a classic buyer condition, is um, house to sell. House to sell is very common too. So um, What's become very common is rather than doing a traditional buying and selling on the same day, which can be a nightmare in terms of logistics and packing and moving. A lot of people like to buy before they sell and get a bridge loan, then sell their house, pay off the bridge loan, get a regular mortgage and be done. A lot of buyers will put a condition into a deal that says the purchase of your house, Ben, is conditional on me selling my house. And if I can't get a deal in place to sell my house within X number of days of us entering into this agreement to buy your house, the whole thing falls apart and you get your deposit back and we go our separate ways.
0: Now, is it even possible to get by with a condition nowadays with the markets the way they are? Or because I, one thing I've been noticing driving through neighborhoods is now you're seeing pre-inspected signs on lawns. So it's like the building inspectors have said, OK, this sucks and we got to do something and a home inspection is a value right at at least it should be Um, so let's inspect it beforehand and add it as a value for the seller to offer the buyer Um, if you have conditions are do you stand a chance in the market right
1: now so um so the pre-inspection thing, thats we learned that from the GTA. So in Toronto, that's been happening for years. It's very calm. Okay. So typically, they use that to speed the process up because deals close so much more quickly in the city on average because there's so many more people bidding on houses. Mm. Um, also, in terms of home inspectors, a thing to point out is, and, and I may be corrected by one of your listeners, but for years and years and years, being a home inspector, they're not a regulated profession. So... You and I can tomorrow morning start a website that says that we're home inspectors. So yeah. the, the important thing to know is, home inspectors can be extremely valuable or extremely useless because anyone can be one. So yeah,
0: I found think- I actually have a a long story I won't get into now, but our uh, our first house uh, was that story. I could do a podcast on why you shouldn't have a real estate agent who's friends with his lawyer, who's friends with the building inspector who all work together uh, because then your lawyer hangs up on you and tells you you need to find somebody else to deal with so i've I've learned that the hard way.
1: I think um, the title of that podcast would be "Conflict of Interest."
0: yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what was
1: going on. but circling back, so should you put a condition on a deal? My view is this especially if you are a first-time home buyer and you're planning on buying this thing to live in it you need to make it conditional on financing and i don't care if you miss out on 200 deals and you win on deal 201 the reality is i've seen this happen and it destroys families where they get sucked into the bidding war and they Mm -hmm. get their heart set on a particular house and it doesn't matter how much the price goes up, they sign some stupid, non-conditional deal, and then the bank goes out and appraises it and says, you guys gotta come up with an extra two or 300,000 bucks, we'll give you a mortgage, but not for what you put on that piece of paper. And Mm -hmm. then you gotta go to your parents, and your aunts and your uncles, and your friends, and you have to borrow money. Because I think what people need to remember is, especially if it's your first house, Nobody buys a Ferrari when they buy their first car. Yep. You usually buy a crappy Honda Civic or Dodge Caravan that has 180,000 kilometers on it and has rust, but it starts when you turn the key most of the time and it has four wheels and an engine. The reality is your first house needs to be a place for you to shelter in and live in and where you can somewhat afford the payments and somewhat afford the insurance and maintenance costs and the property taxes. And maybe when it's time for house number two, or maybe even house number three, that's when we can start getting a little bit more picky about what neighborhood are we in? Does it have shiplap on the walls? What does the garage look like? Because, you know, a lot of people of our generation younger get sucked into this HGTV thing where everybody, it's the classic, the classic joke. And it's a meme about house hunters where it's like, my wife is an underwater basket weaver, and I'm a sculptor, <laughs> and we're buying in downtown Los Angeles, and our budget is $3.5 million. Clearly. Nobody has that life. That doesn't exist. The reality is, you got to buy what you can afford, and having that financing condition will help you back out if it turns out that you overbid. And you know what? It hurts. Maybe you really got your heart set on that house, but do you want to be financially destitute? Or do you want to have a house you can afford? Like, I it's it's not very sexy and it's not an exciting thing to say, but at a minimum, the financing condition for a first-time homebuyer who's going to be living in it, you really you're going to lose sleep at night if you make without condition. Unless like, look, if you got a rich uncle or a rich aunt and you inherited a bunch of money and you're sitting on a pile of cash, then you find uh-huh. the house love and you bid whatever the heck you want for it. Yeah, but yeah. if you're like any of us were, which is you're starting out in your life and you have student debt. And you probably have a kid you got to pay for, and you know groceries and car payments. You buy what you can afford, and if you can't afford, then you keep renting until you've saved up money to be able to afford something. Like it's it's sad, but it's true.
0: Well, and this this idea of like financing our success is something that I think maybe we've gotten used to over the last decade. But as interest rates go up, and just as smart money management maybe comes back into play a bit, because you see a lot of young people like they're they're really on it. Uh, kids in their 20s 30s even early 30s that are really in tune financially you don't want to start out life trying to own the assets of a 55 year old at 25 and i think it's it's perfectly okay that people don't have you don't have to have a new car and you don't have to have a million dollar house out of the gate um but on that topic um financing so Every, everyone's fairly familiar with a traditional mortgage and how that works, um, but are there any other, well, we know there are, but what are, what are some of the other financing options that are out there when a standard mortgage doesn't work?
1: So um, this comes up usually one of several different ways. So if you've ever gone through bankruptcy or if you've ever had you know, if you have bad credit, then realistically what's going to happen is there's a series of lenders called A lenders, then there's B lenders, then there's C lenders. So yep. A lenders are your traditional chartered banks. B lenders are large financial institutions like First National or the Computer Shared Trust Company of Canada. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. We've got a couple others we deal with. And then C lenders are like River Rock Financial and So essentially, as you go down the list, your credit gets worse and worse, and the interest rates get higher and higher, and the mortgage terms become more and more onerous. Um, That alone should be a wake-up call to some people to be like, maybe now is not the time for me to buy. Maybe I should rebuild my credit first. That makes sense. Or you go out to parents or family members or friends, and you have them act as guarantors or co-signers on your mortgage so that your credit rating improves you can qualify for better terms. But again, do you want to burden a family member or a friend with your financial obligations? That can make the conversation at the dinner table at Thanksgiving a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. So these are all options. Now, if all of those options are gone, what other things can you do? You can go to private lenders. Now, private lenders are just, generally speaking, rich people or business owners who are sitting on a pile of cash who like to lend it out. Now, what you need to be aware of is that um, those loans can in many ways be much more flexible, but at the same time, they will have a much higher interest rate.
0: Thanks for listening to The Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals Inc. Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.